Welcome to the Sales Acceleration Show, where we talk about the science of selling across the areas of demand generation, sales, and sales operation. This show is about doing. We focus on real problems, real solutions with real people, all dedicated to accelerating sales. I'm Gabe Larson. And I'm Steve Error. Let's dive in. Welcome, welcome to the Sales Acceleration Show. We've got an exciting guest, Kristen Agnelli, coming out of the Greater Atlanta. Are you? Is that is that right? The Greater Atlanta area, Kristen. Yep, that's right. Fantastic. Well, Steve, um, Kristen's actually interacted with us multiple times previous to being at PGI. She was at a company called Comvault. Um, just been at PGI since March, but now running the sales development team over there at uh, PGI. Is that right? Yep, that's right. Well, maybe before we jump in, um, you can give us a little overview. I was trying to do it, but maybe you can just do, kind of tell us a little bit about you, uh, what you've been doing, and where, how, how's the team over there at PGI? Sure. So thanks for having me. Excited to be here with you guys. Um, like you said, I started with PGI in the beginning of March. Uh, was brought on to build a brand new sales development team. We call them the lead development organization here. Uh, so I've hired and trained six brand new people uh, over the last several months and kind of let them loose in July and August and uh, making some some good headway. Uh, this is my fourth technology gig and third time running a sales development organization. So should be fun. Mm, it sounds exciting. Now, you've opted for lead development team rather than business development or sales development. What's the uh, what's the secret to the, the different name? Is it something specific or do you just like lead development better? I don't really have a strong opinion either way, honestly. <laughs> we, had a, we have another area within PGI that's on our partner channel that uses the business development term. So we tried mm. to maybe you know, separate, separate yourself. it. Mm-hmm. So lead yeah. development just made more sense. Ah, interesting. Well, I'm I'm anxious to talk about some of the strategies and techniques you've learned running different sales development teams. But before we jump in, it sounds like um, on more of a personal note, <laughs> it sounds like you had a little bit of a different college experience than Steve and I here. Very different than you and I, Gabe. <laughs> yes, I um, I graduated from Salem College, which is a very small uh, all-women's college, which is why uh-huh. it's somewhere the two of you. You could have attended technically, but you had to be over 24, and you couldn't live on campus, obviously. So, Oh, is that right? Yeah, you were con- considered a continuing education student. So. I did look at Salem, actually, <laughs> now that I think about it. And, uh, the ratio didn't. would have worked out in your favor, for sure. <laughs> That's awesome. But, That's yeah, awesome. so I, I was um, actually class president my senior year and spoke at graduation and um, thought my knees were going to buckle out from under me. I'm <laughs> sure. Day, I'm it's sure. The, the most people I've ever spoken in front of, but it was awesome, awesome experience. I can only imagine um, how big my co- my college was a little. I think my elementary was about a thousand people. Yeah, my <laughs> my middle school had eight hundred people. I Did know it? that. For, yeah, yeah. My, my my favorite graduation story is in, in spring of two thousand eight. I went to uh, a business school graduation, 
And this this kid, this valedictorian, got up and spoke, and he was just one of the most arrogant, cocky speakers I've ever seen in my entire life. And he talked about how great he was that he was going to remember uh, the spring of two thousand eight go work for a great company like uh, Lehman Brothers. Uh, oh, is that right? He went to yeah. Lehman. <laughs> and how you know it was it was it was such a great opportunity, and he wouldn't have to go work for a, a tech company or something like that. He got to work for his dream company, Lehman Brothers, which six months from then <laughs> no longer existed. Oh, man, so it's kind of rem- sad. I remember those days. I got to ask Chris, what what was the topic of your speech? Was it some kind of you know motivational uh, rah rah type of thing, or what, what did you kind of talk about? Oh gosh, um, it's gonna take me back a while. I think I was. Uh, it was a quick, so I wasn't obviously our you know main speaker, but ah, okay. I was class president. I spoke for about ten minutes, maybe in the nice. beginning. Um, it was mostly just sort of a summary of the four years of you know with my class and what we'd all been through and what we were looking forward to to doing in the world. Um, you know, after that day, obviously. So. Kind of a, I think emotional, had a couple funny things in there. You know, you got to kind of mix it up, get a little uh, bit of absolutely. every emotion in there. So it was good. Absolutely. You know, I'm one of those guys who loved, uh, loved, loved college, loved high school, but I know there's a lot of people out there who just don't feel the same, but it sounds like you had a good experience. So I want to move into the, the conversation around sales and sales development. We've been... Let, let's talk about the things that did happen that <laughs> Scott was looking forward to in her speech. Yeah, that's right. Um, I bet you were dreaming of being a sales development rep. I actually thought about being in sales in high school. I don't know. Sales development, I don't know if really existed probably back then, <laughs> college, high school. But anyways, one of the problems we see in the industry, and we were excited because Kristen, as we talked and went back and forth, she wanted to tackle this topic. And that is, okay, I've got a sales development team, but certainly there's a strategy, there's tactics, there's certain things you do and need not do when working with a sales team in partnership with sales development. And we wanted to dive into that with Kristen today as I think she's had that type of of experience. So Chris and I want to go through and maybe see if we can't glean from you some of the insights you've experienced as you've worked on sales development teams in partnership with sales. So as you think about that concept, what's something that jumps out to your mind as a way to make sure that you really partner as well as possible with the sales team? Yeah, so I think, um, you know, I've had this role report into sales or marketing. So I think regardless of where it reports into, one of the biggest things is making sure you have the right leader. So it's got to be someone who is fully dedicated to this team. Um, I've heard a lot of, you know, leaders say, well, I'm managing this this field sales team and I need a few appointment setters. And so I'm just going to hire a couple people and you know, they can't be that difficult to manage and it's kind of like their side gig, right? Even though they're managing (laughs) like six field sales people or something like that. And that's just not really a recipe for success. But I think um, strategy, like you mentioned, is a really big one, right? You've got to decide within your given organization, what is it that sales needs? They're your customer, right? So do they, you know, need a ton of volume? Do you have a new, are you a startup and people don't know who you are and they don't know the brand. And so it's really just getting people on the phone with your sales team. So it's not as qualified, but there's more of them. So it's a higher volume or is it you're in the market, people know you, it's a pretty mature market. 
Um, your salespeople are super busy, so you got to make sure that they're more qualified. So it's more of a sales qualified opportunity, and therefore the volume's going to be much lower, but a, yet a better use of your salespeople's time. So the leadership on both sides really needs to be on the same page and in agreement. And I'd say even year over year, too, because things change, especially in technology. You know, every year oh, 100%. you get realigned 100%. and we're going to focus on this. And, you know, so you kind of have to mirror the, the sales team that you support within reason. You don't want to change things just for the sake of changing them because sure. that's no fun. <laughs> sure. But, so, so a couple follow-ups on that. I mean, you've experienced sounds like both reporting into marketing and reporting into sales. Did you feel like one was better than the other or just depended on the situation? I think it depends on the situation. If it's an outbound SDR team, and they're really not doing any lead follow-up at all, I think it's fine to have them in either place. If there is a, you know, some people break them out inbound versus outbound. Some have them as, mm -hmm. as one and they get leads for the region or vertical they support and whatnot. But um, I would say they just need to make sure that they have the right leader. And if they are following up on leads, I'd, I'd stick them in marketing personally got it yeah yeah no that's probably a, a tried and true principle there i so, liked how 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 uh agile she is in terms of switching between the potential need for high volume versus the uh, the account based or the targeted qualified leads kind of going back to some of the stuff that we talked about over the last couple of weeks but yeah, I mean, I feel like that's a key attribute we've got to be considering is kind of the transactional or high volume versus the, the low volume and maybe a little bit more strategic. But you mentioned a little bit about alignment and potentially even compensation. Um, how do you typically recommend or how have you typically designed your sales development team in partnership with sales? Just you, you mirror their uh, kind of segmentation and you mirror the territory design? Yes. Yeah, especially, again, for that outbound role. Um, so at, at PGI, I've got, um, we're sort of a combo of inbound and outbound. Um, we support the field sales team, you know, calling into accounts of 1,000 employees and over. And then we have an inbound team that manages, you know, web chat, and they report into inside sales, um, actually. But it's, they're set up a little bit differently because it's very transactional on that end and they're actually paid on closing deals, whereas my team is doing more of the strategic, um, you know, highly qualified leads like you just mentioned, um, but they're aligned by region. So we have regional vice presidents who have anywhere from six to ten uh, field sales reps that report into them. And right now I've got a one-to-one -one ratio of region to lead development rep. Oh, so you, you do actually line them by region, not by rep. So the, 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 the lead development rep is kind of associated with that, that vice president rather than specific reps. And then that vice president can have him or her, that lead development rep, focus on a variety of accounts that doesn't matter necessarily the rep. It's more kind of just what's best for the territory and which accounts are best. Yeah, and it's a bit of both, though, too. They talk to their account managers. We call them account managers here um, on a pretty regular basis, uh, but they should probably have somewhat of a regular cadence with their regional vice president, too, for those alignment purposes to make sure. You know, there's more seasoned reps. You have a ton of pipeline that are closing big deals and just don't need as much support. Uh, and then there's obviously you know, the brand new reps who that's all they're doing, right, is building themselves pipeline because they're brand new. And then you've got everything in between. So the regional <laughs> vice president can kind of say, 
hey, let's focus on these folks, these two over here are doing great and kind of shift them uh, as needed. Interesting. Now, we've got to ask this ultimate question. So you've talked a little bit about strategy, a little bit about around alignment, um, but I've I've got to jump to the concept of, of compensation for a, a minute. Uh, I'm sure you've played with different compensation models, specifically in this strategic outbound um, what have you found to be effective to kind of drive accountability and, and, and the right motivation in that, that kind of compensation category? Yeah, no, it's a fun topic. Um, I, uh, I always say compensation drives behavior. So you have to make sure that you figure out first what behavior you want, right? And then make sure that you're aligning the comp. I like simple comp, right? I don't want a 10-page mm. commission plan. <laughs> I've seen a couple of them. I've yeah, seen a couple of I've those. Seen some it's too. like they need their Excel spreadsheet to start calculating, you know, the different draws and the right. different. This yeah. accelerates this and creates so many points. <laughs> they can get you qualified in table C, which then sends you over to table B and Uh-oh. chart R. Yes. If, uh, if their comp requires a finance degree, it's probably not good, right? So <laughs> um, I think for, for my team right now, it's really basic because we're really, for all intents and, and purposes, we're a, a startup team, even though PGI sure. has been around for 25 years. Uh, so theirs is based on sales accepted opportunities. So they're creating that opportunity, having that handoff meeting and handing it off to the sales rep. And then once that meeting, happens and it goes well they get paid right and then they have a monthly and quarterly number um, and then they're on uh, you know a percentage so 80 up to 150 percent of, of their bonus is based on their uh, sales accepted opportunities if you will got it um, got so it so they've got to have it in in the system too so it's got to be that accountability that we'll talk about I'm sure in a little bit too yeah so at a high level they've got a base strategy or a base salary and then yep. it sounds like the majority of their bonus um portion just comes from these sales accepted opportunities and that means when the sales rep actually accepts or um you know it identifies that this was indeed a quality opportunity and it's going to move down the pipe yep absolutely i think it's um i'm not personally a big fan i know some people to get quality and quantity, like to tie them to the win. Um, I'm not a huge fan of doing that. So they say, well, you get 1% of the deal after it closes if you initiated it. Um, my problem with that is it's outside of their control, right? So yeah. you've got yeah. reps, you have rock star regions, and people are closing deals left and right, and reps where you've got brand new people, so they just don't see that comp. So I typically keep it all front end loaded. Um, but I've done it a number of different ways, you know, maybe as things get into a certain stage, they get an additional little bump, um, then, you know, so there's a lot of different fun stuff you can do with comp. We could do a whole nother segment. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so what's the takeaway on comp at the moment you would just say, look, wherever, whatever behavior you're trying to drive, you know, be open to compensate around that. If, you know, if your reps, your sales development reps actually are helping close the deal, sure. You know, look at kind of compensating on a close. If they're really just qualifying, maybe focus more on qualifying. Or is there a quick takeaway you'd say there? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, at a high level, I tend to keep it 60-40, base versus variable, um, and then base that variable on, again, the behavior, right? If you've got um, them carrying a deal for longer through, call it when they when they complete a demo, 
right? And you can break it down in a couple different ways too, where you can say this, how many opportunities they've created and that's 30% of comp and this is how many, you know, they've, they've progressed past a certain stage and that's the other 70% or whatever. But I'd say keep it simple and, and make sure it's aligned with wherever that, that process and handoff is from SCR to sales rep. So it's super easy to draw the line and say you get paid on X and then you let it go and the sales rep closes it. Mm-hmm. You, you, know, you know, to your point that uh, compensation drives behavior, I mean, you just hand a comp plan to a bunch of sales reps uh, and what's fascinating is to watch them dissect that comp plan and say, okay, in order for me to actually make some money, because that's why they're there. Yep. In order for this is the behavior that I need to do X, Y, and Z, and then they will figure out the 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 loopholes and the the <laughs> the ways to leverage it. And so if you if you if you spend some time and do it right, those loopholes and the ways to leverage it are that's the behavior that you really want. Exactly. Yeah. Put want. those accelerators in there so they overachieve month over month. You know those type, those are my favorite. Finance loves me for that. Um, <laughs> But it's it's the behavior that helps the business too, on, and yep. and then you know is also beneficial to their bank account. Mm, interesting. So okay, so we've got kind of strategy alignment. What's what's kind of rounds out the top three? If you say, hey, you want to work effectively with sales, where do you go next? Um, I'd say process, right? Process SLAs kind of go hand in hand. Um, you know, you want to make it really super easy for them to work together. Uh, you know, you know, I've seen some plans, whether it's comp or it's handoff or however it happens within your CRM or whatever process it is where it just gets messy and it's like a hot potato, right? So it's like, well, I set up this opportunity and we had the call and it was great, you know, and it met all the criteria, but the sales guy is like, nope, it's not good enough. Right, so you've got to make it as black and white as you possibly can for um, what the qualification criteria is. Put those in your CRM. Put them as fields on your opportunities so that there's some accountability in there too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, make the process super, super easy to measure, to track, and and to report on. And then you can constantly see the state of your business. And then hold you know your uh, your sales team and your SDRs accountable for. Hey, you know, we set this up. The meeting was two weeks ago, and you haven't accepted or rejected it. At Salesforce, what's up? <laughs> you know, where are uh, we at with this one and that kind of stuff. So you would even go as to tactically say, "Hey, it's not just enough to have an SLA. I mean, that's important, but let's take it one step further and actually capture some of the questions or key information in the CRM so that we can actually identify if this was good or not good." Yeah, absolutely. If you've got, you know, Commvault did this really well when I joined where they had all their, they still use Bant, so they had all their fields for Bant and one section on a lead. And when you fill all those in and you couldn't even convert that lead to an opportunity until you filled that, you know, three of the four in, I think is what the criteria was to create that opportunity. So God, I love that. I love that because, man, you know, the thing that bothers me, Steve, is, you know, and Kristen, you probably experienced, especially having worked in marketing, it's like, marketing and sales you know whatever age-old debate they don't get along yeah 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 right um but how did they start to solve their their kind of conundrum well they certainly didn't just put an sla in place and say 
hey, you send me better leads and you call those leads more often. They actually put a score in there. I mean, right, they, they right. actually yeah. sat down and said, you know what? This is a qualified lead and it has these types of attributes and we're actually going to quantify it. And they took it as far as that. And it's funny, Kristen, you say that because I'm seeing more and more companies. I mean, step one is an SLA where we kind of have a gentleman's agreement. Step two, I'm seeing people put it into the CRM and say, yeah, hey, you've got to answer this type of information, Bant, Anum, um, before it can move on. And then step three, I've got a handful of companies who are actually then saying, you know what? If it's already in the CRM, we're just going to go ahead and put a point system to it. And then we'll go ahead and let it be passed on and say, you know what? If stuff is over a certain number, we'll go ahead and call it qualified. If not, then then it's not. And I'm like, oh my goodness, obviously. I mean, we've had this happen before. Marketing and sales fight. Let's get a score. Sales development to sales, they fight. Why don't we get a score? And you turn subjective into objective. I think it's awesome. Yeah, hey, no, that's great. Chris, let me ask you a, a technical Salesforce question. Do your reps, do they actually create an event uh, in, in Salesforce? Or do they actually, when they say, they, they talk to someone, they say, hey, I want to meet, let's talk further. Do they create kind of like a zero stage opportunity in Salesforce? How does that work? Yeah, it's the latter. So I've done it a few different ways. Um, when I was at Silverpop and I was actually a, a BDR myself, we created events instead of opportunities. This was eight, nine years ago. <laughs> so uh -huh. um, we created an event and I was supposed to have five, I think I had a quota of like five meetings a week and this was appointment stuff. So to take us all back in time a little bit, I was the first BDR for VTrends, which was a marketing automation technology that Silverpop bought and was awesome. It was awesome stuff. But so I was creating five events a week or more. Um, and then I've done zero stage opportunity and it doesn't go into pipeline until it's accepted. Uh, PGI, it's not technically a zero stage, but it's something we call the awareness stage. So it's just a really early stage where we're still identifying decision makers and the problem and making sure that we can actually solve that problem and that they're willing for us to help them solve that problem. Right, so it goes right. into that awareness stage when my team either converts a lead or creates an opportunity off of a contact. And then there's an LDR status field on the opportunity uh, that gets says accept or reject. If it if they choose reject, it automatically goes close lost and we use the close lost reason as the rejection reason. Thank you, thank you, because that's a that's a debate we have around. <laughs> <laughs> it's a tough one, I know. Yeah, you get to a point where you're creating a bunch of opportunities, and then it affects your win ratio because you got a bunch of closed loss stuff. They got rejected, and was that really an opportunity? I don't know. And yeah, I know. I we do it too. <laughs> Good. I'm not the only one. So, do you nope. feel like you'd, um, you know, push comes to shove, you'd go one direction or another? What would you recommend to a general audience? I'm more of the opportunity fan because you want to be able to track that pipeline. Whereas if you're creating events um, and those aren't being, you know, transitioned into opportunities, you're relying on the salesperson probably to create that opportunity. And will they use the right campaign code and do they attach the contact and does your person have credit if they're not the one who created it and it just gets kind of messy um, so I prefer the opportunity huh. option personally. I'm with you. 
Yeah. <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> well, you two can go talk about this some other time. <laughs> no. So um, we can kind of start wrapping this up. I wanted to get to this last piece. We touched this, on this is one of my this is one of the most important ones. I think that we're we're about to touch on. Yeah, you you hit a little bit on accountability, and I didn't want I want to dive in. I don't want to neglect. I want to dive in. What is some of the things you believe we should be thinking about or doing in order to hold each other accountable in this handoff? Yeah, no, this is a big one. Uh, it's really important to define each role, right? You've got SDRs who carry it through, again, like we talked about, whatever strategy you choose. Um, and then, you know, where is that handoff? And what's expected from the SDR up to that point? What's expected during the handoff? And then what's expected of the salesperson post handoff, right? Whether it's in the system for accountability, on the comp piece to get it accepted to get your SDR paid, or it's making sure that they're following back up with that potential customer and you know staying in touch with them in that early stage to, to move them through the sales process. Um, you know, SDRs are, are need to be held accountable, obviously, um, by their management and also the salespeople they support to make sure that they're they're working on the right stuff based on how you've defined their role. So gathering account intelligence, you know, on the contacts and the company level, building those relationships with those those potential customers, and then, of course, whatever level of qualification you've, you've agreed upon for that handoff and where that happens and how it happens. Um, and then, you know, again, on the flip side, your sales teams need to be held accountable for helping their SDR with direction, right? Typically, your SDRs are a little bit greener than your sales teams. It's not always the case. Um, but some of them, they may not have a ton more experience, but certainly have, you know, potentially been with the company a little longer. So, you know, any direction that they can give them on the account or people they've called before in that account. Um, and then of course, um, calendars, this one drives me absolutely insane. (laughs) (laughs) If you're on a plane, block it off, right? Like, (laughs) come on guys. So, Thank um, you. You're welcome. <laughs> so you no, gotta but I mean, sure. it's gotta so, be up to date. If you're on vacation, block it off, right? All that stuff. It's hard enough to get these prospects to agree to to meetings as it is. So to come back to you and say, "Hey, my bad, we need to move this," <laughs> because I got my, a thing. You know, my rep didn't have his calendar up to date. Like that's not. We don't want to say that, right? So. Well, in that kind of culture, I think without that kind of culture, this model just doesn't work. I mean, you mentioned calendars. You know, you talk a little bit about making sure that people show up for meetings. I looked, I visited one company. They had about a 33% no-show rate or either the sales rep was a no-show or late 33% of the time. That's a lot. Um, You know, the feedback loop after. There's just these types of things that if you're serious about it, I've... I've seen some programs fall apart because of some of the stuff Kristen's talking about. It's just, it's not really working, but you're not willing to hold your sales rep, you know, accountable to manage his calendar. Well, how can you run a handoff process if the other person never tries to grab the baton? It's just like, hey, maybe throw it to me sometime if I'm around. You know, it's like, that doesn't work. You can't run a four by four relay race like that kind of jazz, you know? No, no. Right. Hey, if I'm around. Hand me the baton. <laughs> That's right. If it's if it's if it's good for me, it's not lunchtime. Make sure I'm there. Anyways, well, Chris and I really appreciate. It. I mean, it's such an important topic um, and very interesting. You know, certainly we've talked about managing sales development teams, but I think this is an oft overlooked aspect of 
how do you try to make these two things work together? So I appreciate you jumping into the strategy and the alignment and the process and the accountability as you've built these different teams at these different tech companies. So we'll wrap it up here. Um, Chris and really appreciate you being on the show. It was fantastic. Uh, Steve, I'm going to pass it over to you. Hey, thank you very much. Uh, listen to us on uh, iTunes, Stitcher, uh, Google Play. Uh, please go ahead and uh, rate us and review us. Subscribe there. Uh, you can email us at podcast at insidesales.com. Twitter, uh, we are uh, at Gabe Larson. Gabe's on there. Uh, and then I'm at Steve Error. And then we're also on LinkedIn. And one thing I'll say, Gabe is always posting really good and timely articles. Uh, things he writes up there um, they're worth your time, they're worth a read so uh, uh, go ahead and look for us there, Uh, we look forward to hearing from you and until next time, uh, let's get at it